Money FM 89.3, best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Concerns over the potential economic costs of unlocking economies triggered a late afternoon sell-off on Wall Street overnight. The Nasdaq and S&P 500 both tumbled more than 2%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average wasn't behind, dropping well below the 24,000 level. Small cap stocks did even worse than the blue chips, with the Russell 2000 Index dropping 3.5%. Joining me now to shed a light on what's driving these numbers, we're excited to welcome back to the program Stephen Innes. He's Chief Global Market Strategist at Axicorp. Good morning, Stephen. How are you today? Hi, Michelle. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Great to hear. So over the past six weeks or so, it certainly hasn't been a smooth ride. U.S. stocks have been on a tear, though. The S&P 500 has risen more than 30% off its early March lows. Much of that run has been fueled by liquidity from central banks and governments pumping money into the economy, as well as hopes for an economic recovery. Overnight, though, Dr. Anthony Fauci testified to the U.S. Congress concerns about the potential costs of reopening too soon. Economic and health concerns. So Stephen, a two-part question for you here. Did stocks rise too much? And what do you think of Dr. Fauci's comments that reopening too soon could set the road to economic recovery back? You know, as far as the stock markets go, I think you correctly identified there, Michelle, that it's completely driven by government stimulus and, and the amount of money that they've put in towards companies that are really supporting roughly about 40, 40 plus percent of the S&P. And that's really helping. And I think this is why sentiment is, is getting supported. But it's been a very, very narrow, uh, narrowly led um, rally. So <clears throat> it's easy to topple. And I think last night we saw that uh, saw that occur early this morning. I should say we saw that occur um, when basically their, their, their prospects of a recovery just ran into a brick wall, so to speak. Dr. Fauci's comments um, are really resonating, I think, with um, the general consensus out there, at least in the court of public opinion, that um, people want to be sure that they're safe getting out there. They're, they don't want to rush out if, if there's still even the smallest fear of catching a secondary wave of uh, the outbreak. And I think, you know, most of all here, I think not only uh, companies and not only politicians, but I think everybody doesn't want to be wearing that scarlet letter, letter being accused of creating a secondary spreader. So I think Recoveries could happen. I think the uh, reopenings could happen, but only provided that their social distancing rules are adequately in place or that companies have taken appropriate measures to ensure workplace safety. So it's going to be a slow opening if we do get one. As we've discussed on the show a couple of times over the past few months, liquidity, easy money from central banks and stimulus plans from governments have helped prop up the markets and all the spending has led many market watchers to fret about the potential risks of inflation. We have new economic data, though, that shows prices are actually falling, not rising. Core prices in the U.S. had their biggest drop in April since the 1950s. So, Stephen, is deflation a threat to the U.S. and global economies? Yes, of course. It's uh, it's going to be all driven by um, it's going to be driven completely by um, the unemployment levels, and this is what the I think this inflationary impact uh, outlook is sort of failing to realize. I think a lot of investors are mapping the recovery uh, in the stock markets to an inflation uh, outbreak, but you know inflation is going to happen again. Um, but it's going to take when people get back to work, and it's also going to take when industries start to fire up again and commodity prices go higher. Right now, oil's depressed, and the rest of the commodity landscape is depressed. Once we see equity markets, uh, sorry, once we see the commodity markets rise, 
signaling that there's industrial demand out there, then I think inflation comes back. But we're not looking anytime soon. I think, you know, we're lucky if we see it in the next year or two. So, you know, I think it's a far-fetched ambition to think that inflation is going to come back anytime soon. And I think the feds are going to reinforce this by dropping their inflation targets in June, um, considerably below 2%. Uh, and that'll be the first signal to markets to sort of take a relax on the inflationary trade. Stephen, you track the gold markets pretty closely. The precious metal is trading above 1700 US dollars an ounce. That's up 30% over the past year. Stephen, how much of your portfolio is in gold and where do you see gold prices heading? It's actually, I've been not as bullish as I've been in the past, but compared to 2018, I'm no, not nearly as bullish. And the reason for that is quite simple, um, deflation. Um, I'm really concerned right now. I think the prices could fall before they rise again, despite all, you know, the bullish rhetoric out there that, you know, gold's going to two, $3,000. Mind you, I could be incredibly wrong on this if all of a sudden inflation picks up. But really, gold, in my view, is a, a hedge for inflation. That's not lighting up right now, suggesting that real interest rates are not dropping quick enough to really support gold. So it's a couple of part question here. Sure, if the U.S. dollar weakens, gold will go up. But what do you want to do? Do you want to buy gold or do you want to you know, sell the U.S. dollar? That's my trade off here. I think it's easier to sell the U.S. dollar than, you know, go, go full out gold right now. I think there'd be lots of opportunity to buy gold. Uh, on dips if it happens again, or even if it moves higher. If it does move higher on a reflation kickback here, I think the move is two, three $300 higher, not $50 higher. So there's lots of opportunity to get back into gold. I don't see any need to rush into gold right now. So I'm sitting around 5% versus the maximum 10% of my portfolio that I use the, um, um, you know, on maximum uh, risk off scenarios, I would allocate the gold. Speaking of the U.S. dollar, you wrote a note yesterday, um, you know, questioning if the U.S. dollar was still the king of safe havens. The Business Times has a story about this this morning. What do you think of the U.S. dollar's strength? Uh, you note that May is usually a good month for the greenback. Yeah, you know, it's just hard to, you know, um, it's, it's, a, it's a crazy scenario right now. I almost feel like a weatherman trying to call the U.S. dollar. One day it looks like it's going gonna, it's gonna to sell off and the other day it comes back. I think right now we've got um, two um, risk narratives right now. Obviously, the COVID risk is going to continue to linger. I think it's going to be a roller coaster for the next six months to one year. Um, I don't see uh, global economies firing up to any degree anytime soon. That suggests to me that from an Asia perspective, the export engines in Asia aren't going to light off. So I don't really see a big demand um, for Asian currencies. Um, although, you know, you can diversify your portfolio into some of those economies that are coming back to light sooner than others because they took more strict measures to contain the virus. But overall, I still like the U.S. dollar simply because um, U.S. exceptionalism, in my view, will continue to be demand for U.S. bonds as a safe haven. And they're also, if the economy starts to pick up again, it's going to be a U.S.-led recovery again, as it always is. And I think that still creates that U.S. dollar demand. So I think it's too early to sell the dollar, although... (laughs) If you look at every possible signal out there, including the Fed possibly going into negative territory, it suggests you don't want to own dollar until there's a better alternative than U.S. dollars that I think you stay with the U.S. dollar. Asian stocks are falling. Um, last I checked, Tokyo and Sydney were both down about one and a half percent. Stephen, what do you see driving Asian trade today? Well, it's just exactly the lockdown again, because global lockdowns mean that the export engines that Asia sends um, products do are not opening up, and that's a big problem. You know, so we look at cars coming out of Tokyo. Well, that's going to rem- remain incredibly depressed. Nobody needs a car if they're stuck in their apartment. And likewise, a lot of the other goods that um, that um, that uh, Asia exports 
plus people don't want to spend, right? People aren't in really a spending mood right now. It's almost like wartime rationing right now where people want to save onto their money for perhaps a rainier day or, you know, if, if, they're, if, they're, out of, if they're out of work. You know, I mean, that possibility is still quite negatively um, resonating with a lot of people. They don't know if their jobs are going to be in place, so, you know, six months down the road. So people are, are saving, not spending right now. Absolutely. Appreciate your time, Stephen. Stephen Innes there, Chief Market Strategist for Axie Corp. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.